Welcome to the Banner of Truth broadcast. This program is brought to you by the Free Reformed Churches of North America. Your host is Pastor Jack Schumann, pastor of the Emmanuel Free Reformed Church of Abbotsford, British Columbia. And now, here is Pastor Jack Schumann. We are continuing our series of sermons today on the great doctrines of the Christian faith as they are summarized in the Belgic Confession of Faith. Today, with the Lord's help, we want to consider the subject of the sacraments. And in this connection, I invite you to turn with me to Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 4, as we read the verses 11 to 25. Hear the word of God. And he, that is Abraham, received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith which he had while yet uncircumcised, that he might be the father of all those who believe, though they are uncircumcised, that righteousness might be imputed to them also, and the father of circumcision to those who not only are of the circumcision, but who also walk in the steps of the faith which our father Abraham had while still uncircumcised. For the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if those who are of the law are heirs, faith is made void, and the promise made of no effect. Because the law brings about wrath, for there, where there is no law, there is no transgression. Therefore it is of faith that it might be according to grace, so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations, in the presence of him whom he believed, God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did, who contrary to hope, in hope, believed, so that he became the father of many nations, According to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead, since he was about a hundred years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform." And therefore it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but also for us. It shall be imputed to us who believe in him, who raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised because of our justification. This ends the reading of the holy word of God. May the Lord bless his word to our hearts. Dear friends, Article 33 of the Belgic Confession of Faith begins a new section of this confession dealing with the sacraments, which are baptism and the Lord's Supper. This section consists of three articles. In Article 33, we have a general introduction to the sacraments. In Article 34, we have an explanation of the sacrament of baptism. And in Article 35, we have an explanation of the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. 
Now, some might ask why this confession devotes so much attention to this subject. Well, it does so for at least two reasons. The first is a historical reason. During the time that the Belgic Confession was written, the sacraments were a subject of considerable controversy. First of all, there was controversy over the Lord's Supper, specifically over the presence of Christ at the Lord's Supper. The Roman Catholic Church taught that Christ is present in the bread and the wine. They say that the bread and the wine turn into the actual body and blood of Christ. And we call this transubstantiation. The Lutherans say that Christ is present in, under, and with the bread and the wine of the Lord's Supper. In other words, the bread and wine of the Lord's Supper do not turn into the actual body and blood of Christ, as the Roman Catholics teach, but, they say, they are closely identified with them. And we call this consubstantiation. On the other hand, there were the Calvinists. They taught that Christ is not present at all in the bread and wine of the Lord's Supper, but he is present only spiritually through his Holy Spirit. There was also controversy over the sacrament of baptism. The Roman Catholics and Reformers agreed that infants of believers ought to be baptized. But the Anabaptists said that only believers should be baptized. These controversies are so important that it required three articles to deal with them all. The second reason why there's such a focus on the sacraments is a pastoral one. Because the sacraments are of immense importance to our faith. The sacraments are the main means that God uses to strengthen faith. By means of the sacraments, the Lord strengthens the weak faith of his people, assuring them that his promises to them will not fail. Now, needless to say, this subject is very important. So important that our Protestant forefathers were willing to suffer imprisonment and even death rather than observe the sacraments improperly. May God help us today also to see the importance of these things and to govern ourselves according to his word. So with the help of the Lord, let's consider what the scriptures teach about the sacraments as this is summarized in Article 33 of the Belgic Confession of Faith. And my theme is the sacraments and our faith. And we'll see that, first of all, they direct our faith to Christ. And secondly, they strengthen our faith in Christ. As mentioned, Article 33 provides a general introduction to the sacraments. Now, what are sacraments? Well, another one of the Reformed Confessions, the Heidelberg Catechism, answers that question in Lord's Day 25, question and answer 66. And there the answer is this. The sacraments are holy, visible signs and seals of God for this end, that by the use thereof he may the more fully declare and seal to us the promise of the gospel, namely that he grants us freely the remission of sin and life eternal for the sake of that one sacrifice of Christ accomplished on the cross. So the Heidelberg Catechism here says five things about the sacraments. First of all, 
it says they are holy. That means they are set apart for holy use. Secondly, they are visible. That means they can be seen with the eye. Thirdly, the sacraments are signs. That is, they communicate a message without words. Namely, that salvation is to be found in Christ and Christ alone. Fourthly, the sacraments are seals. That means they serve as a guarantee. In the sacraments, God personally guarantees to his people that what he promises, namely the forgiveness of sins and everlasting life, is true and real and for them personally. Fifthly, the sacraments are appointed not by the church, but by God. Now, as I trust we all know, there are only two sacraments, baptism and the Lord's Supper. And we affirm that over and against the Roman Catholic Church, which teaches that there are seven sacraments. Baptism, confirmation, the mass, penance, marriage, ordination, and last rites. But the scriptures teach that there are only two, baptism and the Lord's Supper. Now, what do these sacraments do for us? Why did the Lord give us the sacraments? Well, in a word, the Lord gave us sacraments in order to direct our faith to Christ. The Bible teaches that we are saved by grace through faith alone. But it must never be forgotten that faith must have an object. We are not saved by faith itself. Faith in and of itself does not save us. We are saved by faith in Jesus Christ specifically in the atoning work of Jesus Christ. In fact, the atoning work of Christ must be the sole object of our faith. Faith that has as its object anything or anyone other than Christ is not true saving faith. Now, Sadly, the believer sometimes loses sight of this fundamental truth. That was the case, for example, of the Galatians. Soon after they were converted to Christ, the believers in Galatia came into contact with certain false teachers called the Judaizers, who taught that in order to be saved, one not only had to trust in Christ, but one also had to be circumcised and obey all the dietary laws of Moses. And the Apostle Paul rightly perceived that this was a direct attack on the doctrine of justification by faith alone. And that's why he wrote this epistle. The purpose of the epistle to Galatia was to remind the Galatians that their salvation rests entirely on the atoning work of Jesus Christ and nothing else. Now the Galatians are not alone in this. Believers often lose sight of the fact that we're saved by grace through faith alone. And the key word here is alone. It's not that the believer does not need Christ. He does, and he knows that. But there can be times in his life when he comes to think that faith in Christ is not enough. To our faith, we must add something else. Our good works, our religious rituals, our church attendance, our devotion, our spiritual experiences. We think that somehow these things also count for something towards our salvation. Believers are sometimes like little children. They can so easily become distracted. You can be speaking to little children or reading them a story, and as soon as they hear a strange noise or someone comes into the room 
or they encounter something that interests them, they will look away. Believers are like that too. They can so easily stop focusing on Christ and start focusing on themselves or other things. This is why the sacraments are so immensely helpful. They remind us that the object of our faith is Christ alone. They're like the parent or the teacher who literally places his hands on both sides of a child's face and forces them to look at what they should be looking at. In this case, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, how do the sacraments do this? Well, they do this by functioning as signs. A sign, as I said earlier, communicates a message without words. For example, if I drive my car along the street and I come across a signpost that has a large arrow on it, I know that the street is one way. Or if I'm at the airport and I see a door with the representation of a man and another door with the representation of a woman, I know that the one door leads to the men's washroom and the other door to the women's washroom. And so it is with the sacraments. The sacraments are signs of Christ. They speak a message, they proclaim a message without words. They remind us that the sole object of our faith is Jesus Christ and him crucified. They tell us that we are saved by faith in Christ alone. And so, for example, when we see the water being poured on the forehead of an adult or a little baby, then we're taught that just as water washes away the filth of the body, so the blood of Christ washes away the guilt and pollution of sin. Similarly, when we see the bread being broken and the wine poured out at the Lord's Supper, we're taught that this is what Christ had to suffer in order to redeem us from our sin. So that just as the bread is broken, so Christ had to be broken in body and in soul. And just as the wine is poured out, so Christ had to shed his blood on the cross. Now in both cases, the gospel is communicated visually, without words, and in such a simple way that even a child can understand it. Now to be sure, the sacraments do not do this alone. The sacraments are joined to the word. And our confession comments on that when it says, and I quote, that the sacraments are joined to the word, the better to present to our senses both that which he signifies to us by his word and that which he works inwardly in our hearts, thereby assuring and confirming in us the salvation which he imparts to us. You notice the sacraments are joined to the word. The sacraments do not take the place of the word, nor are they above the word. That's the teaching of the Roman Catholic Church. The Roman Catholic Church elevates the sacraments, especially the Mass, to such a high position that they actually stand above the word. The word is subservient to the sacraments they teach. But our confession, in line with the word of God, denies this. It says that the sacraments are joined to the word. The sacraments do not stand alone, nor do they stand above the word. They are joined to the word. In fact, it is only as they are joined to the word of God that they have any meaning at all. Now, this is why whenever the sacraments are administered, a sermon must be preached. 
It's because the Word is joined to the sacraments and the sacraments are joined to the Word. Now, of course, of the two, the Word is primary. Paul says in Romans 10 that faith comes by hearing and hearing through the Word of God. Apart from the Word, we cannot be saved. But we can be saved apart from the sacraments. So what purpose then do the sacraments serve? Well, they serve to illustrate and confirm the Word. Children, I'm sure all of you have storybooks at home. Think of the sacraments as the pictures in your storybook. The pictures do not communicate a different message than the words. Instead, they serve to illustrate the words, to make the words clearer. And so it is with the sacraments. They don't communicate a different message than the Word of God. They merely serve to illustrate the Word of God, to make it easier for us to understand what the Word of God is saying so that we might the more readily believe and embrace it. Sacraments, therefore, direct our faith to Christ. They keep our faith focused on Him. Well, how grateful we should be then for the sacraments. Christ is everything to the believer. Apart from Christ, there is no hope, there's no joy, there's no peace. The believer can never get enough of Christ. He is in love with Christ. And the sacraments help us to stay in love with him and to keep our focus on him. Imagine for a moment a soldier far away from home. He's not seen his sweetheart for many months. And all he has is a photograph which he keeps with him at all times. And whenever he feels lonely or whenever he misses her, he takes out that photograph and he gazes at her face. The photograph is not his sweetheart, to be sure, but it reminds him of her and it keeps alive the love he has for her. And so that is the same, same in this, with the sacraments. They remind us of and keep us in love with Christ. But they do more than that. They not only direct our faith to Christ, they also strengthen our faith in Christ. And that brings me to my second point. Our faith, such as it is, is often weak. Jesus said that if we had faith as a mustard seed, we could move mountains. Now, no one has ever moved a mountain. And that tells us how weak and small our faith really is. Now, the Bible testifies of this time and time again. There can many, many examples in the Bible of men and women who were men and women of faith, but their faith was very weak and very small. Think of Noah, a man of great faith, built the ark. But when the waters of the flood subsided, he planted a vineyard, got drunk, and lay naked in his tent. Abraham was a great man of faith, a very paragon of faith. But he lied to Pharaoh about his wife, claiming that she was his sister. And he tried to produce an heir through his wife's servant Hagar, even though God had told him that he would have a son through Sarah. Moses was a great man of faith, but he struck the rock when God commanded him to speak to it. Well, the scriptures are clear. Our faith is often small and weak. And that's why God has given us the sacraments. He gave us the sacraments in order to strengthen our weak faith. And they do that by functioning as seals. Our confession says, and I quote, We believe that our gracious God, on account of our weakness and infirmities, has ordained the sacraments for us, thereby to seal unto us his promises, and to be pledges of the goodwill and grace of God toward us, and also to nourish and strengthen our faith. So our confession here refers to the sacraments 
as seals. A seal is a mark of authenticity. It's a guarantee. If I graduate from a college or university, the diploma that I receive will have a seal on it. And the seal guarantees that the person named on the diploma actually received the degree he claims to have received. His degree is not a fake. The sacraments perform the same function. They guarantee to the person who partakes of them in faith that the promises of God are true and real and for them personally. We could say they're God's IOUs. In the sacraments, God personally guarantees that what he promises in his word, he will also give in the way of faith and repentance and on the basis of the atoning work of Jesus Christ. Think of the sacraments as an engagement ring. When a couple falls in love and desire to get married, the young man will place a ring on the young woman's finger. And the ring serves as a pledge, as a seal, as a guarantee that what he promised he will do. He will marry her and love her and care for her for the rest of his life. Well, sacraments perform exactly the same function. They serve to guarantee the promises of God. Again, I quote from the Belgian Confession, that the sacraments, that God gave us the sacraments, the better to present to our senses both that which he signifies to us by his word and that which he works inwardly in our hearts, thereby assuring and confirming in us the salvation which he imparts to us. For they are visible signs and seals of an inward and invisible thing, by means whereof God works in us by the power of the Holy Ghost. Now this is all very scriptural. We read together from Romans chapter 4. And in this chapter, Paul holds up Abraham as an illustration of the doctrine of justification by faith, which he set forth in the previous chapter. And he observes that after God appeared to him in Genesis 15 and promised him that his descendants would be as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore, we read that Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. Now what Paul is saying is not that Abraham's faith was his righteousness. That couldn't be. Since Paul had earlier declared that there is none righteous, no, not one. Nor can the ground of our righteousness be anything in us, but that it is through faith, faith in the promises of God, that he was declared righteous before God. What is more, Paul goes on to observe that this was said of Abraham before he was circumcised. In other words, circumcision counted nothing towards Abraham's righteousness before God. Abraham was justified by faith. Apart from circumcision, he was justified by faith and faith alone. Well, what purpose then did his circumcision serve? Well, Paul answers that question in verse 11. And he writes this, And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith which he had, being yet uncircumcised, that he might be the father of all them that believe. So Abraham's circumcision was not the ground of his righteousness, but the seal of his righteousness. That is, it sealed the righteousness that he had by faith in Christ. And what was true of Abraham is also true for us today. The sacraments are seals of the righteousness of faith. They seal that we are accounted righteous before God by faith in Jesus Christ. Now, the fact that the sacraments nourish and strengthen and seal faith implies something, doesn't it? It implies that one must have faith in order to partake of them. And that cannot be emphasized enough. 
In some churches, just about anyone is given permission to partake of the sacraments, whether they have true faith or not. But my friends, this is wrong. This is a desecration of the sacraments. We must partake of the sacraments in faith rather than out of mere custom or superstition. And those who do not do this will most certainly be judged by God. And so the sacraments not only direct our faith to Christ, they also strengthen our faith in Christ. They assure us that all, God, all that God promises to us is true and real and will be fulfilled for the sake of his Son, Jesus Christ. In other words, the sacraments are all about Christ. Well, Helmus of Brockel, the great 17th century Dutch divine, wrote this. He said, All the ways of the Lord with his elect are mercy. Not only is this true in bringing the most wretched among them to the greatest felicity after this life, but also because he bestows so many benefits on them as they journey through this life. He leads them in a wondrous manner. Every step is a manifestation of unfathomable wisdom and goodness. It is his desire that they see and know this, and that they would live in the assurance of his goodness toward them. Do you see what Abrakel is saying? He's saying that it is God's desire not only to save sinners, but also to enrich them. He wants them to know not only what Christ has done, but also to live in the enjoyment of it. And this, he says, is a powerful manifestation of his mercy and his goodness. Well, such is the mercy and goodness that God displays in the sacraments. And he does all of this for unworthy, hell-deserving sinners like you and like me. Oh, how can we not love him? How can we not serve him with all of our heart? Truly, he is most worthy. Amen. We always appreciate hearing from our listeners. If you are blessed by or have a comment on the message you've heard today, we'd very much appreciate hearing from you. Our mailing address is Banner of Truth, 3386 Mount Lehman Road, and Lehman is spelled L-E-H-M-A-N, and that's in Abbotsford, British Columbia, V4X2M9. Or you can email us at banneroftruth at frcna.org. For those who take the time to write, I will gladly send you a free copy of the Belgic Confession of Faith so that you can more easily follow along as I explain each of its 37 articles. If you would like to listen to the message you've just heard again, or if you would like more information about our program, including how to contact us and how to listen to other messages on this program, please visit our website at banneroftruthradio.com. That's all one word, banneroftruthradio.com. Support for this program is provided by the Free Reformed Churches of North America. For more information about our churches, including where you can find a church nearest you, please visit our denominational website at www.frcna.org. That's www.frcna.org. Your financial support for this program is welcome and deeply appreciated. If the Lord has placed in your heart a desire to help us to offset the costs of broadcasting this program on this station, you can send us a check in any amount. Again, our mailing address is 3386 
Mount Lehman Road, Abbotsford, British Columbia, V4X2M9. Or you can make a donation right on our webpage. Our webpage, again, is banneroftruthradio.com. That's banneroftruthradio.com. Please remember that the Lord would have his people come together to worship him. For that reason, we urge you not to use this or any other radio program as a substitute for being an active, contributing member of a faithful, Bible-believing church. Thank you for listening, and now until next week, may the Lord be with you all.